You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. We had a worship time just now. We had a worship time, and we're going to come back to it. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you now that uh, there's going to be an invitation for prayer when I'm going to ask you to just get after it, okay? But I want to start just by kind of priming your pump, and let's talk a little bit more about freedom. That's where we've been the last couple of weeks. So if you will, read this together with me, what's on the screen. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command as yourself. So I want to tell you a freedom story. Can I do that? Yes. Yes, I can. Because this is a story that's been waiting all year to be told. It has been. If you've been around Mosaic for a while, you you may know or may remember that every year around October, September, October, I begin to pray to the Lord to to give us a word for the year ahead. Um, I reflect on the year we've had. I start to spend time in prayer, asking how he would have us focus for the next year. Often, in fact, almost always, he gives me a word somewhere in the fall that acts almost like a banner over the year ahead. And, and, and usually that word will be the focus of the first message in January, and it will show up all year in our work. I might even do a whole series of messages on it. Um, and, and like, think, think sweet communion. When we did that that year, that was kind of all over the place during that year, and it affected a lot of the things we did, a lot of decisions we made. But not this year. And I'll tell you why. Last year, I began to listen like I always do, September and October, but I didn't get a word. Nothing rose to the surface. Nothing stood out. September passed, October passed. It was late November. It may even have been early December when I finally heard it. And the word I got was freedom. And I didn't actually trust it as being a word from the Lord. (laughs) I, it just seemed a little too much like a softball word, like maybe it belonged on a bracelet or a tattoo, but not in the church. And, 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 and it was almost felt a little like I was coaching God. Because the fact was, last fall, we were on track to disaffiliate this year, and with no more conflict, the, the conference had already made the plan, it was in place, I was more than a little ready for that. And so this word felt a little more like, you know, just wishful thinking, Holy Carolyn, not Holy Spirit. And I felt that so much that I did not preach that word in January like I usually do. I just didn't trust it back in November and December when January plans were being made. But then, then, then December 28th happened. That was the day we got a letter telling us that the whole process from separating from the denomination, a process we've been planning for, had been paused. And I got to tell you, that was a gut punch. It knocked the wind out of me. But I also need to say, I'm not telling you all of this because um, I want to churn up any anger and frustration over that. I, I really am not. That's, that's not in me now. I'm telling you this because that word, freedom, 
That word that had felt so much like a softball word when I first heard it, it went from being a done deal to being, well, I am not sure I can describe how it felt in the early months of the year when we had no idea after this letter came how our circumstances would work out. It was, like somebody had, it was like somebody had chased us into an alleyway, and when we got there, we realized it was a dead end, walls on all sides, no way out, but there on that back wall, someone had spray-painted the word freedom. And every time I looked at that word, standing in that dark place in my spirit, I could hear God say, trust this. So... That word, freedom, it was not a softball anymore. <laughs> it, was a, it was a serious promise, the kind you have to decide to stand on, not by feelings, but by faith, when nothing in the circumstances supports it. I would hear it, trust this. Not just trust that somehow we'll understand why things turned out the way they did or or figure it out or learn to live with it. No, it was trust that word like it was a promise spoken over the year by a God who knows how to scale walls and sometimes even blast them down. In January and February and March and April, when there was no light in that alleyway and I was staring at walls, I could see that word, freedom. And I, and I kept hearing, trust this. I mean, there were times I would cling to it and pray like crazy that it was a real word. Chris will tell you, there were times we looked at each other and I just said, he spoke a word over this year. He spoke a word. I'm going to believe it. And let me say again, this whole story isn't about our particular circumstances. This is about faith in God's ability to speak a promise and invite a person into faith. I don't know if I've ever had so much faith in a word like that before. And, and, but even still, I didn't preach it in January. <laughs> and all year I've had this series in my head to preach, but I kept kicking the can down the road, kept pushing back on the calendar. It was supposed to be in the spring, and then I pushed it to June, and now I've pushed it to August. I definitely did not want to tell you this story just so we could get the rug pulled out from beneath us. We all say we believe Jesus speaks, but it is hard to trust a word, isn't it? I can feel that even now while I am saying this. I, I could feel it when I was kind of writing these thoughts down. Are you there? Are you sure, Carolyn? Are, are you sure enough of how things will turn out that you can tell the story about how strong the promise of God is, that, but how even when it's hard to trust a word, we can trust it? No, I'm not sure at all. <laughs> Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm not sure at all, but goodness, I am very sure that this year some very unlikely things have happened, things nobody expected. I am very sure that in January, no one would have put money on the idea that freedom would be a word that churches in North Georgia could count on this year. It turns out this is no softball word. This has stretched me, has asked me to decide what I really think about what Jesus said when Jesus said, when the sun sets you free, you will be free. 
Because, of course, the ultimate freedom is not from circumstances, but from those internal alleyways, you know? Those dark places where we feel spiritually trapped and get emotionally stuck. Those places where we have no other choice but trust, and we don't want to trust. Come on. Do I really believe we are free? I mean, not just from our circumstances. That's shallow and stuff, actually. But free in Christ, that my whole life and everything in it lives under a banner of freedom? And do I really believe that in the parts of my life that are not under that banner, do I really believe God can speak freedom into those places, can speak that word and then make it happen? Can I really be free from all that has me stuck Free to pursue healing, free to love, free to choose a life in Christ and live it like I actually am free. Do I really believe that? Do you? We can say we do, but you know, I mean, all year I've been pushing these messages back because I didn't want to preach them until I knew our situation was a done deal. And it is not a done deal yet. But I finally think I get it, that walking in freedom is an act of faith. To believe that when the sun sets you free, you are free, that's a faith statement. To, To take God at his word and believe he is good for it, that takes faith. That when we walk in freedom, it is the, it's, it's, like, it's like carpet unrolling in front of us. Every step proclaiming that which is not as if it is. Do you believe it is for freedom that Christ has set you free? Amen. So that's how this series of messages was first conceived way back. And I've needed to tell you this story so we can believe together that God is calling us, all of us, into freedom. So last week, we talked about uh, things that can keep us from operating as people who have been set free in Christ. We asked the question, what does Jesus set us free from? And we talked about that tendency we have to drink from old cups, to nurse old patterns. Meanwhile, for starters, God offers freedom from bad religion and and the pressure to be perfect. We said last week that bad religion, the way it is most often lived out, is not some prosperity preacher with a jet and a girl on the side. That's not bad religion. That's just bad humanity. Bad religion, according to Paul, is refusing to deal with your own fear of freedom by nursing broken patterns of thinking like perfectionism and judgmentalism and fearful overfunctioning. That's bad religion. We learn that bad religion is not the opposite of perfect behavior. It's the opposite of grace. And grace is risky because we have to believe that it accepts us before we've done anything. That we are free, not because of anything we've done, but for no other reason, but so we can be free. Paul says this. It is for freedom you've been set free. Because free is how God designed us. We also talked about freedom from trying harder and the terrible burden of guilt. Nothing churns up empty guilt better than a try-hard mentality. 
But Paul would have us hear that trying harder and churning up empty guilt is exactly what Jesus came to set us free from. Come on, y'all. So what are you dragging around that he died for? What expectation are you placing on yourself or on others that have nothing to do with biblical freedom? And then finally, last week, we talked about freedom from chaos and the sin that causes it. We acknowledged that Christian freedom is not a free-for-all. It's freedom from sin, which creates chaos. Sin creates chaos. So Jesus came to set us free, not just from sin, but from the chaos it creates in our lives. Amen. And these are just some of the things Jesus came to set us free from. But you remember we, we said this two weeks ago, that saying no to your demons, whatever they are, is only half the equation. Yes, we need freedom from fear, from pessimism, from spiritual laziness, from personal sin, from anger, whatever your thing is. But we do the greatest disservice to Christianity when we make it only a list of things we have to get free from before we can get to heaven. Eventually, we have to move on from a freedom from life and, and, and to focus on a freedom to life, which is all about creating. This is where we get to dream about what's on the other side of that wall, at the end of that dead-end alley. What does Jesus give us freedom to? We get to dream about being free to love, free to choose, free to explore, free to fail, free to heal, free to trust. Paul invites us into this freedom life in his letter to the Galatians. In fact, Paul is often called the apostle of freedom because he talks about it a lot, especially to the people in Galatia who, who didn't quite get it. So he's passionate about freedom and he was passionately furious at the Galatians for, for who found their freedom in Christ. And then they backed off from it, digging through their old life to add to the faith things Jesus never required. And so Paul would tell them, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. If you have your Bible, turn with me. We're going to read chapter 5, verse 1, and then we're going to skip down to verse 13. The best way to engage the message is always with your Bible, something to write with. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And then skip down to verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk in the Spirit. I want you to underline that phrase, walk in the Spirit. We'll come up with, we'll, we'll, we'll come across a phrase like this four times in this short passage. And so he's repeating something on purpose. I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, I want you to underline, led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're free. The acts of the flesh are obvious. 
sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. If you did not find yourself in that list, you haven't looked closely enough at your life. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there's no law. You are completely free to live like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, go ahead and underline that. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Underline that too. Keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So Paul makes a lot of points here, but he has one overarching point to make, and it is the, that authentic freedom we pursue is completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. That without being filled with the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, we cannot know freedom. Paul wants to make sure we hear this, that Spirit-filled living is is a constant clinging to the Spirit. And if we do that, then and only then will we be free to love, to make holy choices, free to heal. He begins with love. He says, you have freedom to love and, and to appreciate holy boundaries. Paul says this a lot, that the mark of true freedom is a supernatural ability to love, to be able to love in the power of the Holy Spirit. The entire law, Paul says, is fulfilled, is built on this. So let's read this verse again, together again. You, my brothers and sisters, read this together. Sorry, I just went ahead. Go. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, he's telling the Galatians and us that we are free to love, but not free to do as we please, because not everything we do will result in the love of Jesus being poured through us. So our freedom is bound by holy love, which is the headwaters of the flow of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It all flows from the headwaters of love. Paul tells us too, love isn't a free-for-all. He gives us some, some starters. For, for the very first thing in this list is you are not free to bite and devour each other. We're not free to gratify the desires of the flesh. We don't get to do whatever we want, which is counterintuitive to a self-serving world. It turns out that holy boundaries don't detract from freedom. They feed freedom. And maybe the most fundamental boundary that Jesus lays down for his followers is this one. It's the boundary of forgiveness. People who walk in the Spirit are required, compelled to give and receive forgiveness. 
Not as if it's got to be drug out of them, but as if it overflows from them, as if it comes to them as freedom and as a non-negotiable. Because it is true, you cannot walk in love and in unforgiveness at the same time. The Spirit won't allow it. George Lutz and I were talking not about this not long ago. We were talking about the wear and tear of hard seasons. Anybody in here been in a hard season? Talking about the wear and tear of hard seasons and about and the 12-step insistence on constantly making sure our own spirits are at peace toward the world. And I was telling him, sometimes that's hard because sometimes it feels like I'm in a bunker, in a war zone, and I stand up and they shoot. And bullets hurt. That's not a perception I've developed because of some character defect. That's a real bullet. But George said, no. Even the wounded soldier has a choice whether to love or hate the one shooting at him. I hate when George says stuff. But he's right. In every relationship, we have a choice. Not only do we have freedom to love, but we have freedom to choose and to accept holy options. I, you know, I used to think that the will of God was like, you know, like in a circus, you know, like, like the guy's way up in the air, maybe 60 feet in the air, and he's got to hit some tiny little swimming pool. And so standing way up there, He's got to be perfect at that. He's got to hit that pool or he's toast, right? That's what I used to think the will of God was, that it was God was expecting you to hit, to, to nail it, or you were toast. I don't think that anymore. Now I think the will of God is more like a swimming pool, and I'm not 60 feet up. I'm just right there on the edge. And yeah, there's a shallow end, and there's a deep end. The only place that's not inside the will of God is if you're not in the pool, as long as you're wet, you're in it. I think this is kind of what we're doing right now as we begin to discern together our affiliation options. We are now free to choose, and we've given you three options, and we don't think any of those is outside the will of God. There is a shallow end. There is a deep end. But we are free to choose and to accept holy options. And so we're, we're talking right now about where we will land, and there'll be a town hall meeting on next Sunday, October, uh, August 27th at 5 o'clock, and then another one on September 11th at 7 o'clock. The whole point of that is, is to come in and with a, with a spirit of freedom to figure out where we go next and, and to co-create with God the future of our community. We who walk in the Spirit are not left flailing around or paralyzed, trying to guess God's right answer. We are free to dream with God, to get in the pool, to splash around, to get out of our own heads and love people and think creatively about a God who can heal. Who here would like to get out of your own head? I've been thinking all year, that as we wind down from this disaffiliation and affiliation stuff, the, the great need, not just for our church, but for the church, is a season of healing. And part of that healing is the, is the healing of the hamster wheel. Just to get out of our own head. That's a healing also. 
And, and healing is what Jesus loves to do. So we're, we're taking this piece, the healing piece, and we're going to pull that apart in the month of September. Because did you know there are 40 individual stories in the Gospels of Jesus healing people? That doesn't even include the times when he healed whole groups of people. I'm talking about 40 individual stories. Healing is what Jesus did. That's the kind of stuff he did. And so can we inspire our people toward more comfort and excitement about doing the Jesus stuff? So we'll keep this conversation going. And you're going to hear some stories. Whew. Freedom. Back in my day, you got your learner's permit when you were 50, on your 15th birthday. And you got your driver's license on your 16th birthday. I know you guys don't do that so much anymore. But back in my day, you would not even have considered not getting your driver's license on your 16th birthday. And you were ready because mostly we were driving back roads when we were 12. So we've been driving a while. Do you remember when you were first handed a set of keys and told you could get in the car and drive all by yourself? Do you remember that? I wonder who, who in here got handed keys to your own car on your 16th birthday? There's a few of you. We didn't like you. I just need to tell you that. <laughs> who in here drove the family car for a few years before you finally scraped up the $500 to buy a lime green 1974 Opal? <laughs> okay, I'll let you guys do that later. No crosstalk. No crosstalk in the church house. I didn't get my car, my first car right off the bat. But I was so thrilled to have my dad, and I still remember he was standing in the kitchen and he tossed me the set of keys to the family car and he told me I was free to drive it by myself. For a kid, there is no freedom quite like that freedom. And when you are tossed those keys for the first time, you are never so vulnerable or dangerous to you and everybody around you. <laughs> I hit a pole within my first three months of driving. And yes, I also hit a pole last year. But stay with me, people. <laughs> stay with me. The point is, when we first start driving, when we first get that freedom, we are not perfect drivers. It will be messy. We will pull out in front of other people. We will be obli oblivious to stop signs and speed limits. But there is no way to become a good driver unless you drive. You just can't. And I want to say to you that it is the same principle at work when God hands us the keys to spirit-filled living. We will experience incredible freedom and discover we can love people we never believed we could love. We will also make mistakes and we will do it imperfectly and we will love selfishly and we will hit a few poles, maybe even years into this journey and that is okay. The only way to become a spirit-filled follower of Jesus is to be a spirit-filled follower of Jesus. That's it. To walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, and to walk in freedom. Amen. 
So I want to ask you to stand. And here's what we're going to do. I am going to give you the opportunity. Look, here it is. I want you to just catch this. <sighs> There's the keys to the kingdom right there. You are free to walk in the Spirit. You are free to pray in the Spirit. You are free to love in the Spirit. You are free to, to, to get up in somebody else's face and believe because you are a Spirit-filled follower of Jesus that they can be healed because you prayed. And everybody in this room, everybody in this room has that freedom. You're not somehow exempt. You have that freedom. And so right now, I mean, I'm just, I've just primed the pump. The pump was already primed during worship. But now I'm going to give you this opportunity. Every single person in this room has an opportunity to pray right now. I'm going to give you three options. Some people in this room are just going to be uncomfortable with the idea of praying with anybody or coming down front and getting on your knees. If that's you, if you're just not going to do it, I want you to be seated, put your hands in your head, and just pray by yourself, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit, because I know that somewhere inside of you is a longing to be free. Pray that for yourself. Pray that for yourself. But there are other people in this room who are dying to lay hands on Gordon or on Mark or on I don't know who else. Brittany's been having some physical issues. Or on, there are people in this room whose marriages are struggling right now. And you need to turn to each other and cry out to God together in prayer. You may need to walk up to somebody and say, I need you to pray with me right now. I need you to do that with me. Because I need somebody to agree with me in prayer, that which is not as if it is. There are people who need to pray healing over Angela's hands. Today, today, this is your opportunity. And there are some people who just need to come down front, get on your knees, and cry out to God. Just cry out to Him. And we have freedom to do that. We have freedom to do that. So I'm going to ask you, kind of move out into the aisles a little bit, because there are people inside those aisles who want to do this, but they're just not going to step over five people like, you know, in the movie theater. So move out into the aisles a little bit. All of y'all, just move out a little bit. Give yourself some space. Move out a little bit. Chris, you come. Just give us a bed. And we're just going to begin. If, if you've got somebody you want to pray over, go get them. Go get them right now. Go get them. If you want to come down front and kneel, you come now. Lord Jesus, we are trusting you with this moment. We felt it. We felt it as we began. Lord, we felt it as we began to worship. We felt it when we prayed the miracle song. We felt it that you want. You're, you are always more willing to speak than we are to listen. You are always more willing to heal than we are to ask. Always. Always. So, Lord, we, we, we just now... We're just going to lay ourselves wide open and say, this is our freedom moment. This is us. We're going to practice. We've got the keys, and we are going to practice being what you told us we can be. I'm asking you to begin to pray for each other right now. Go ahead and begin to pray. 
find somebody. If you've got a prophetic word to speak over somebody, go ahead and find them and speak that prophetic word over their lives. Speak that which is not as if it is. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.